Let me go to the Skype Maker Hotline. Uh, it's been a while since I talked to Lori, but Richard Barrett had her on uh, earlier this year. Uh, she's the author of many books. Uh, one of my favorites is We Kill Because We Can. She's also a very accomplished author at many uh, independent and libertarian websites. Uh, she's written extensively and has been fighting the fight that we've been fighting on the aforementioned Twitter and other places against the corona doom and against this misplaced, diabolical attempt to basically install this great reset through the fear of this virus. Um, but now, for the first time, Lori has seen, as I have seen and many of you have seen, the Bill Gates cabal, the oligarchs, they pushed too far. The mandatory vax passport is a bridge too far for many people, and we're starting to see now, finally, brave and courageous men and women across Europe stand up and go like, uh, yeah, I'm not doing that. That's not going to happen. So we're going to talk about that and uh, many other things that are going on here with the corona doom. Uh, Lori, good morning. I haven't yes. talked. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Very well, thanks. How are you? I am fantastic. Uh, thank you. <clears throat> Always fighting this. Since I got the Corona Doom last November, I got it naturally and beat it naturally. Yeah. Uh, yeah so did I. Yeah. I it it, it kind of messed my sinuses up, though, permanently, it seems. Um, I never had allergies before, but I have them now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you can apply now. You can apply for uh, long COVID disability. Congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> uh, uh, so you're in the fight, as I've been in the fight. Uh, we see this first of all uh, in all of your journalistic career, covering the 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 drone industry and the kill industry which is filled with lies and deceit. Does the Wu flu industry top the uh, uh, war uh, uh, of choice and killing because we can industry? I think it does. At this point, the battles are joined because we have the Pentagon and the medical industry merging into a single MIC, the medical industrial complex now with COVID and the military industrial complex. Um, it was just reported that the Pentagon announced that the U.S. Army had awarded Pfizer a $3.5 billion contract to manufacture 500 million doses of the COVID-19 vaccine by the end of the year for distribution around the world. Now, that does not bode well for the future of freedom. Why is the Pentagon, first of all, buying vaccines and, and who do they actually plan to distribute them at gunpoint? I mean, what is what is going on here? This is becoming more and more frightening by the day, to be honest. So the medical industrial, actually, you're gonna, you could do MMIC, the medical yeah. military industrial complex. Well, I actually think it's the medical industrial congressional media, academic, pharmaceutical, banking, logistics complex. So it's actually pretty <laughs> sprawling. It's pretty sprawling, but the pharmaceutical component now is, um, uh, you know, on the rise because they've somehow hoodwinked, uh, you know, the majority of the or a, a good chunk of the population into believing that somehow their 
philanthropists <laughs> when in fact they're just trying to sell their products as usual, which they've been doing for decades. So um, now they've they've latched onto this this COVID narrative and looks like they have booster shots in the works. They just sold $500 million, I'm sorry, 500 million doses of the vaccine to the army for distribution worldwide. And, you know, this just is, should serve as a reminder to people that these vaccines are not free. We paid for them with our That's taxes. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we paid for them. And now we're also being told that we're obliged to take them regardless of our health condition, which is a very, um, a very disturbing development for one, because health choices should never be dictated by your government because the government works for you. You don't work for the government. Well, that's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to work. But now we have this really um, frightening um, public health apparatus, which has become more and more tyrannical over the course of the last year and a half. I mean, it's, I think it started out that everyone didn't really know what was going on. And so many people were were like, okay, we're going to listen to Dr. Fauci. He knows what he's talking about. And so they bought into it, you know, because of fear of death. They were told, you know, that this is a pandemic. Um, And as as the months went on and they didn't see the wheelbarrows collecting bodies in the streets, you know, people started becoming a little more skeptical. And I, I do think, as you just said, that we've reached a breaking point where the contradictions have become so manifest that more and more people are just, um, they're just quitting. You know, they, they're just abandoning the whole coronapocalypse narrative because it doesn't make any sense anymore. I mean, one really interesting development is that the PCR tests have now been decertified by the FDA. Yep. That's a, that's a huge piece of news. And yet they're continuing to use the PCR tests until the end of the year. Well, why would that be? so that it seems much worse than it really is. I mean, if the PCR tests were actually picking up the flu, the common cold, dead virus debris, you know, you name it. Uh, kids were were using orange juice in Britain to get out of school for the PCR test. They, they, they tested orange juice and they got positive um, results. And so they got to skip school as a result. So, so basically the <laughs> PCR tests are completely bogus. And the FDA now says that they're decertifying them, that they will no longer have emergency use authorization after the end of the year. And yet these tests, these bogus tests have been used to completely transform societies, you know, to force lockdowns on people who really never needed to be locked down, to destroy thousands and thousands of small businesses. And um, some people are now, they're just, they, they don't understand how how this all fits together. It, you know, they're in the beginning, there were always some quote-unquote conspiracy theorists, but now it's almost like there's a conspiracy to create conspiracy theorists because the contradictions are so vast. <laughs> there's a conspiracy <laughs> to create conspiracy theorists. I love it. I mean, okay, so another example is the masking um, guidelines. Okay, so we know that Fauci said last March, no, don't wear masks. Americans don't need to wear masks. Masks are useless anyway. They might make you feel better, but they don't actually prevent anything. You know, the the particles are too small. They're going to get through with your air, so it doesn't really matter. So then, short while later, he's like, everyone must wear masks everywhere. So everyone put on their mask. And then, after the vaccine program got underway, he said, oh, you don't really have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. And so we had, like, Biden and Harris coming out and saying, 
get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. Okay, so that lasted like a month. And then it turned out that didn't work as a ploy for getting more people vaccinated. So now we're back to, oh, if you're vaccinated, you actually have to wear a mask too. So now (laughs) people are just shaking their heads. They don't know what to make of this anymore. So, uh, all right. When you wrote the book, We Kill Because We Can, it was mostly about how the, uh, the drone industry uh, in the United States and in the UK principally had trained this entire generation of young people uh, and it convinced, convinced them that, you know, when they were playing this deadly video game, that the people that they were killing, uh, basically that they deserved it, right? That's right. Okay. Um, was that prep for the killing of so many careers and vocations that these people are, that these same young people are now, are now being called upon uh, to continue basically to execute because someone is going to have to execute uh, the Biden regime's plan. So were they, were they prepping for this or just a coincidence? I, I think it's maybe uh, halfway in between. I, th- I believe that the massive propaganda campaign that has attended this coronavirus um, episode in history has been modeled on what the Pentagon has been doing for many decades. So so you can see this in the creation of a divided society where the, the unvaccinated are denounced as almost traitors, right? So you see the same sort of propaganda things going on in media, like everyone, you know, the unwashed, unvaxxed, unmasked masses are evil now and the vaccinated people are good and you're selfish and all these things if you don't get a vaccine, even if you already recovered from COVID, you know, so, uh, which, which of course flies in the face of everything we know about immunization. I mean, vaccines after all are modeled on natural immunity. And yet this entire vast population of people, I think it's more than a hundred million Americans have already had and recovered from COVID. These people are being told you must get vaccinated, even though there's no scientific evidence that there's any benefit to you. So the question is why, why would I take a risk, even if it's a small risk for no benefit? It, it, it just flies in the face of rationality. And yet this entire group of people is ignored by the media. The media doesn't mention them. The question, you know, the dichotomy is you're either vaccinated or you're unvaccinated. But there's this huge group of people who actually recovered and have natural immunity. And we may well have herd immunity in this country by now, but you would never know because they keep using these bogus PCR tests, you know, to get <laughs> false positives on everything and anything. So you say that you had the doom. When did you get it? I was in Austria um, and some friends were moving. And so I was watching their house in the mountains of Austria and they were moving to Spain. They came and they picked up, um, they came to pick up half of their stuff and to move. They had a, a sort of troop of dogs and cats, but you can only move four across a border in Europe, you know, at a time. So they were moving uh, like some of their pets and uh, and half their possessions back to Spain. But when they came to the house, they were very, very ill. They had what we thought was the flu. They were, they were both coughing. And I was like, just stay out of my bedroom, please. <laughs> so they're, they're really sick. But of course, it's airborne. And so because we were all sharing the same kitchen, I ended up getting it a, a couple days, a few days later. And then we were all sick. And they were they were so sick that they they had planned to stay in the house with me for four days, but they couldn't drive. That's how sick they were. Um, and they are a little bit older than I am, but uh, they were very sick. They ended up staying in the house with me for 11 days. They finally felt well enough to make the trek back to Spain. 
in the meantime, I was just sitting there, you know, sick. So I had the cough. It was a very weird, crackly cough. And um, she left me some codeine cough syrup, which I used <laughs> to sleep. And uh, and so there I was just convalescing, doing my own private quarantine in the mountains of Austria. It was easy to do because no one lived in my neighborhood. There was like a farmer two miles away. So it was actually, you know, a kind of ideal quarantine scene. But what happened I mean, at that point, we didn't even know that quarantine was necessary or that COVID was actually a, a thing. We just thought it was really, really bad case of the flu. And but when they got back to Spain, that's when all the borders were shut. So they were in Spain and I was in Austria and uh, they couldn't come to me and I couldn't go to them. And so they're like, do you mind staying for the rest of the <laughs> So, you, had to so stay. Like, you were you were stuck in Austria, not not a bad place exactly. to be stuck. Well, exactly, not a bad place to be stuck at all. So I was, quote, unquote, stuck in Austria for seven months. So it took them a while to um, find someone who had the papers who could make it across the borders. You know, Europe has, like, incredibly uh, Byzantine regulations about everything. And so they finally found someone who could actually drive from Spain to Austria, but that didn't happen until the very end of May. So by that time I was, I was completely recovered, but it took me, you know, a few weeks. I, I would say I was sick for about six weeks. And I think that's good because I obviously had a really robust response and there's no way in hell I'm getting this thing again, you know, and if I do, I'll, I'll recover. I already know that. So I, I have personal evidence that I'm capable of surviving COVID because I did. And so it makes no sense for someone in my position or in yours having had it uh, to undergo vaccination when it's an experimental vaccination that has lots of side effects upon a lot of people, even though they don't talk about them in the media. So, um, so I was there in Austria, you know, mm -hmm. I did my, I did my part for herd immunity. And now I find people just constantly trying to bully me into getting a vaccine I don't need, which I think is crazy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> do you explain to them that you, uh, that you believe that you're a herd immune and that you had it? And therefore, you built up natural antibodies. Because uh, I hadn't even really thought about that, Lori. And by the way, this is Lori Calhoun, who is the author of We Kill Because We Can, a, a great book that you can get at good booksellers and to get an ebook version of it as well on our SkyMaker hotline. I didn't even realize until recently that that was a great excuse for me to go like, why aren't you masking? Because I'm not going to get sick. Uh, and I'm not going to give it to you either. I'm asymptomatic if I do have it. How do you know? Because I had the corona doom in November. And yes, I yeah. had the receipts from the doctor who prescribed uh, azithromycin for me. And another online doctor prescribed hydroxychloroquine. Uh, okay. I'm like you. I got over it. Yeah, exactly. So you get through it. and then, But this, stra this strange and I would say perverse con contortion of, of language has made it such that people think that now healthy people are a menace. So, so it's like, and this I attribute entirely to the mainstream media. And that's why I said I think there are really strong parallels between the war machine and the medical industrial complex because they're using the same sort of propaganda techniques. They shut out all alternative opinions. Um, they shut them down on on big tech as well, as you know. And then it turns out, oh, actually, you know, these people were right back when you banned them, when they said that the virus may have escaped from the Wuhan lab. Actually, these people, you know, may have been right. In fact, they probably were right. But, you know, oh, well, I guess we, you know, destroyed their their media presence eight months right. ago or a year ago because they said things that Do Dr. Fauci disagreed with, which is really frightening. This guy, I mean, <laughs> he is the person who 
brought back gain of function research. You know, it was there was a moratorium on it and he decided, oh no, it's more important. We have to take the risk, whatever. So now we have gain of function research. And it looks like we don't have proof yet, but it looks like the COVID nineteen virus was actually developed in that Wuhan lab that got funding from Fauci. And now Fauci is our guru for how to deal with a crisis. I mean it's it's preposterous. Like if you wrote a novel with this as of the plot, people would be like, no, that's just like too impossible. It couldn't really happen. <laughs> So you have a, uh, uh, many essays that you've written uh, since the corona doom began, um, and maybe even before. One, one of them involves the villainous from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Nurse Ratchet. Um, yeah. It is amazing that we have an entire medical industry now. It used to be a vocation, a calling, and then maybe a profession. Now it's completely industrialized of... People and now uh, who appear by all uh, by all measures, especially the young ones, that appear to be ill-educated, in, incapable of any critical thinking whatsoever, um, and also incapable of any philosophical thinking either. When it comes to the great moral questions of our time, um, we're surrounded and being ordered about by health experts in every state, like here in Louisiana, this jerk is giving press conferences with our governor and saying breastfeeding and pregnant women should go out and get vaxxed. I, I, think, I, I, think, it's I think that is actually medical malpractice. And I can't believe that this is going on. I can't believe that, that there are not more doctors standing up against particularly the push to get children and pregnant women vaccinated because they were never even included in the in the trials used to secure emergency use authorization and they're not at risk given you know pregnant women by definition are young so so they're in the, a cohort where the actual risk reduction offered by the vaccine is a middling 1% um, and so they're being asked to be experimental subjects uh, for a device which they do not even need. I mean, I think this is actually uh, a case of medical malpractice, and I, I don't understand how um, any right-minded doctor could encourage someone to, to do this, given the fact that we have no data yet on the long-term side effects. We can't. I mean, they just started vaccinating people in you know January, maybe late December. So that's you know not even nine months yet. So how can they possibly know what the outcome is going to be? I mean, we need to look at the the history of horrible cases such as thalidomide, where they thought, oh yeah, it's totally safe. Yeah, everyone take it. It's great right. for morning sickness. Go ahead, take thalidomide. No, no problem. We know it's safe. We tested it in trials. Well, pregnant women were not included in those trials. And um, they were prescribed this medication, and there were thousands of deformed children born, and thousands who died right at, at right at after childbirth. And it was a complete tragedy. And you could see this could happen again because we just actually don't have no, we don't have any data. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen, but we don't have any data. And to to say, as the CDC director has said repeatedly, that we have no evidence that these vaccines will harm pregnant women is incredibly misleading because there's no data at all. Of course, there's no evidence because they haven't tested anyone. <laughs> so, so, so that doesn't mean that it's by, by default safe. It means that they don't know. And uh, it's, it, it's, it's frightening the way the propaganda has been used to redefine, you know, what is supposed to be uh, 
good practice and what is supposed to be health and what a health menace is and what sort of risk uh, you should be willing to take for, you know, no benefit, essentially. And I attribute this in part to the initial push for the vaccines when they, they came out with all these, you know, florid articles saying, oh, it's a 95% efficacy rate. And everyone's really excited. So all I have to do is get a vaccine and I'm never going to be killed by COVID-19. That's right. Well, it turns out that those figures were relative risk reduction figures, which only calculated the risk reduction for people who were vulnerable to COVID-19, which is a very small percentage of the population. So those risk reduction figures were only for really elderly people with comorbidities, possibly obese, people who were at, at a strong risk of dying from COVID were helped a lot by the vaccines. As for general population, when you do the absolute risk re reduction assessment, and this, is, this came out in a paper in May in The Lancet, it's only about 1%, whatever vaccine you choose. But Pfizer is even less than 1%. So, so if you, a healthy male who's not obese and has no comorbidities, take the vaccine, it's going to help you, you know, may, maybe it will re re reduce your risk by, you know, 0.8%. 0.8%. It's unbelievable. It's not 95% for you. It's only 95. It only helped, uh, it only helped, you know, very elderly people and already sick people with multiple comor comorbidities. Um, and of course, the risk factor of obesity. Those people are helped by the vaccine, but everyone else is, you may as well just take the placebo of water is what I said in one of my essays, because you have more information about the long-term side effects about your placebo effect than you do about the vaccine. So, hey, and, so and, you, and you can improve upon that water and improve upon your intelligence by uh, taking the, the placebo of smart water, right? <laughs> it hits smart water. Hey, Laura, I want to go back to some medical stuff here. Uh, you, okay. you, you talked about what we don't know about the Corona Doom jab, the Franken jab, the death jab. Um, here's what we do know about pregnant and lactating women. <clears throat> we know that babies, from the time they are born to about the time that they were able to stand up and begin walking, have the most incredible immune system uh, of all the human race. It, it is at that point in their lives, the God bless their little, their bodies and their immune systems, with the ability to, because uh, their immune system is hyperactive. Um, it's identifying all manner of stuff it never saw in the womb, right? All kinds of bacteria, all kinds of viruses, all kinds of amoebas and protozoas, and all sorts of little creepy crawly little things that you can only see with a microscope. But their little immune system is so hyperactive on identifying these things. Um, and it's zapping them. It's building its immunity up that it's going to have for the rest of the child's life. It's forming the building blocks of its immune system. This is scientific fact. You'd agree, right? Yes. Okay. Then you talked about medical malpractice. This seems to me to go beyond medical malpractice. This seems to me to be bordering now on Munchausen by proxy syndrome. Uh, these doctors out there telling these pregnant women and those that are lactating and feeding and breastfeeding their children, by all means, it would be the greatest thing you could do for your child would be to go get the Franken jab and then possibly transfer it to them through the breast milk. Yeah. That's not, no. that's beyond, that's malice of forethought, if you ask me. I don't know. It's either profound... Um you know, ignorance or cluelessness or it is evil. I mean, I have to agree with you, I, you know, for months, I always try to be as charitable as possible. So for, for most 
of the first year, I was like, okay, Fauci, you know, maybe he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but you know, he's probably, he's probably an okay guy. I'm starting to question that now because it's just like the propaganda just doesn't stop. And, um, you know, he came out after, you know, the allegations about the possible leak of the Wuhan virus, um, of the virus from the Wuhan lab as having, you know, some validity. And he came out and said, you know, on multiple multiple media outlets that, oh, if you're criticizing me, you're criticizing the science, which is just crazy. I mean, I'm now thinking that this guy may, may really be a megalomaniac. I mean, who says such a thing? La science, c'est moi. You know, that's just like so absurd. Um, I, I think he has, I don't know, he has some sort of delusions of grandeur at this point. And, and not without reason, he's built up this entire cult following. Um, so half of the world now just jumps at his behest, whatever he says. You know, he says, oh, double mask. It's just common sense. So people start wearing two masks. But, 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 <laughs> and, okay, as you wrote on June the 22nd of this year, the con job of the century, uh, and you explain in the con job of the century, uh, you can find this at the libertarianinstitute.org, by the way. Um, you explain what a con is, uh, confidence in the person that's, uh, that's scheming you, and then what a job is, uh, and then you explain what a Ponzi scheme is. Now, when you say the con job of the century, do you just mean of this millennia century or the last hundred years? Yeah, I, well, I want to say that it's of the 21st century. Okay. So, um, I mean, I think it actually does surpass the war on terror. Uh, it's gotten that bad, and it has... Faster, um, too, quicker. Yeah, faster, quicker, and when you look at the developments around the world where public health officials and government officials keep relying on so-called facts that have already been debunked. So, for example, the insistence on masking. There, there's actually no demonstration that they really work, but they keep imposing these masking requirements. In fact, there are uh, scientific studies that show that they don't work and that there's no distinction between in outcomes between places such as Sweden, where there is no hard mask requirement, and Germany, where there's been you know, a really severe mask requirement. They actually required surgical masks, so you couldn't get away with like a bandana as you do in this country. So, right. um, mm. so, but but no difference in outcomes. And so, uh, the the officials keep doing this. I mean, I think San Francisco just uh, imposed another mask requirement based on Biden's um, announcement. You know, that masks are back in play for vaccinated people, which is based again on on what Fauci said, which is based on some like obscure study you know, that they won't share with the public, which is really bizarre. So, uh, or not, you know, <laughs> depending on what you think about these people. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so because everyone is the, as usual, politicians are sort of a little bit behind, behind the ball, you know, so they're basing all of their policies on stuff that everyone pretty much believed in March, 2020. But like a lot of this has fallen away. There have been many studies now um, demonstrating for example, that already infected people derive no benefit from the vaccines. There are published peer-reviewed studies in um, Lancet, and there's a, a study in, in Nature demonstrating that the vaccines actually offer you no benefit. And yet you still have these politicians pushing for universal vaccination all over the world in places like Australia, in France. I guess we should talk a little bit about France and the protests going on there yes. because yeah. uh, Emmanuel Macron has... Um, 
made it a law that you have to show a vax pass to go to a restaurant, a cafe, basically any public venue. And the French people are coming out en masse to protest this because, um, as they say, liberté, liberté. Okay, so they're protesting in the streets all over France. This, unfortunately, is getting no coverage in the mainstream media. Nope. But it it shows you uh, that people are not going to take this lightly. They're not sitting down. They're not going to comply. You know, of course, some people do comply because they, you know, they just capitulate. You know, they say, I want to go to the cinema. I want to go to the restaurant. I want to go to the cafe. So, So what you saw in the media was coverage like from the BBC and The Guardian and probably New York Times, oh, Macron's scheme worked because a million people signed up for vaccination the next day. But that's only a very small percentage of the people who were unvaccinated. And many of the others are taking to the streets and refusing to comply. So we'll see what happens. I mean, France is leading the way in terms of protests. And if we had a functional media, then people would be talking about that here. But unfortunately, we don't. But, but okay, so let's talk about that. Because you see, if we had a fun- we do have a functional media. It's me and you. Uh, it's, uh, you're on a functional media service, the Crusade Channel here, functional and free. Let's not forget, uh, you were my go-to gal uh, reporter on the ground the day of the Brexit vote. You remember? That's true. Yeah, that is absolutely true. We were we were international that day, and this is the first indication that anyone in the world got because of uh, because of me and you, and this radio station, you were telling me, you're going to like, Mike, I think this thing is going to pass. I think they got it all wrong. You know, the people you were talking to that weren't, you know, uh, clamoring uh, outside 10 Downing Street and the offices of the Telegraph were going like, oh, no, I think it's a good thing. I think we only give it a go. So you were telling me that day, do you remember this? I think it's going to pass. I think it's going to happen. I think the polls are all wrong. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, what I think, I think we're in a, a worse situation now. It was, you know, wonderful that, that that happened, like, even though all of the sort of deep state uh, entities were, were pushing against it, it, it worked anyway. So the power of the people, you could say, uh, prevailed in that case. And uh, what's happening now, though, unfortunately, is that we have this extra fear factor which is making people less rational than they normally would be. So they've been they've been told for so long that they're going to die if this they get this thing that they're in a general genuine state of fear many of them. I mean some people have come out of it, but other people remain in that state of fear and fear is a very powerful um motivator for action and for for supportive policies. And you can see this in Twitter, you know, whenever anyone says anything supporting um, you know, like opposed a, a to Emmanuel Macron's vax pass in France, you'll see this entire list of people supporting Macron. Now, I think a lot of them are bots, actually, because you see the same message yep. um, over and over again. And so bot, bots are being paid for, obviously, by big pharma. And when you look at all the factors, pull them all together, all the contradictions and all the weird, um, you know, otherwise inexplicable things going on, it all sh- it all seems to be pushing toward just selling more and more vaccines. That that looks to be what's actually going on. So so the big push is why you know why do nine billion people on the planet need to be vaccinated? Well, they don't actually because a lot of them already had COVID. But um, but the propaganda push is that all of them have to be vaccinated. And so the only way really to explain that rationally is that someone wants to sell a lot of vaccines. 
Um, so it's not that they're trying to save your life. They're trying to sell you a vaccine. <laughs> so, now, let's go back to the con job because it is a great con job uh, with Lori Calhoun here on the uh, Mike Church Show. Uh, we're nearing the end of our interview, so we're going to have to go fast. But <clears throat> let's go back to the con job. Um, we were conned since 1991. Uh, well, let's go back a little further. In 1980, in the mid-80s, the medical, uh, the pharmaceutical medical services industry uh, got its legs under it and crossed its first uh, major plateau, and that was convincing Congress, I believe in 1987, that it should pass a law saying that the MMR vaccine uh, needed to be mandated in all school dist districts in the entire United States and that the people that manufactured it, which were, I believe, Haist, Merck, and Pfizer... Uh, needed to have permanent and lasting indemnity so that they could never be sued for the results of the triple cocktail of MMR that uh, Dell Bigtree and many other, and uh, Robert uh, uh, RFK Jr. and uh, so many others have looked into this and studied and going like, that's how we're, that's where we got male autism uh, spectrum and why it's, it's growing here. But my point uh, being that you go back to the mid-80s, this is when the pharmaceutical industry <clears throat> became a thing. And they've been and they have been prescribing then 2021 for 35 years. They have been poisoning almost every single living American, save for the Amish and a few others that are holistic and refuse to imbibe their poison. Nothing has been done. Nothing has uh, has been accomplished to even slow this train down. So the Corona Doom, uh, the uh, Franken-Jab campaign, is just the end result, logical conclusion of a big pharma-addicted society. Would you agree with that? I think that is a perfect and excellent analysis. I think that um, you pinpointed the starting point uh, right after that happened, right after they were... Um, they suddenly got this political power when they were granted um, immunity, ironically, <laughs> from prosecution for, for things that went wrong with their own products. Right after that, there was also a big um, push for psych meds. So with the launch of Prozac in 1987, suddenly uh, lifestyle meds such as uh, Prozac, uh, Viagra, all these things were pushed onto people. And then a second really important turning point was in 1997 when the FDA lift, uh, actually stopped preventing pharma from advertising direct to consumer. Mm. It used to be that, you know, you would go to your doctor and your doctor would tell you what you need. But suddenly the television, you know, in between Cheerios and Tide commercials, the television is telling you, oh, look. You know, do you move your legs in the middle of the night? You may have restless legs syndrome. Restless legs <laughs> syndrome. I remember that. And one. <laughs> you remember that? And you and you need a psychiatric medication, you know, to counter it. So, so as a result of of the direct to consumer uh, advertising of these, many of them psych meds, but also um, cholesterol meds, you know, all sorts of things. You know, preying on people's fears, like oh, you might get a heart attack, but we can preempt that. So take this medication. So. Uh, this has gone on since 1997, and as a result, people go to the doctor and say, oh, I heard about blah, blah, blah from my friend, and then the doctor writes a prescription, and then the person is on the drug. So their, their business plan is to make everyone a patient for life. You know, health is not 
what they want. They want to sell you drugs. And in order for, for them to sell you drugs, you have to be sick. So what's happened with, with this new inversion of health and sickness is that suddenly healthy people are, are being painted as a menace. So people who have been vaccinated and want to get near people who are unvaccinated, they don't even ask them, did you recover from COVID? Could you have natural immunity? They don't right. care because mm -hmm. they've, they've created this, this uh, polarized dichotomy of vax versus unvax, which is you know, good versus evil, right? Again, once again, the same old Manichaean um, division that is used every time someone wants to start a war. So they're doing this now. They're creating a civil war among the populace of people who are going to go along with this mandate, um, this attempt to mandate forced experimental procedures on people who are unwilling. And it's very, very frightening. Well, I, I, I think I'm they're going to get by yeah. I think they're going to get away with it in some places. I think in states like California and Oregon and Washington and New York and New Jersey, uh, I fully fully expect that the uh, the good people that live in those states and have yet to say yes to the jab uh, through some sort of coercion are going to be told they have to have it, um, which is a complete uh, demolition then of the the power that's been gained by the pharmaceutical industrial and the medical now industrial and military industrial complex uh, because people have, um, uh, there's a lot of writing out there. Uh, 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 there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of writing. There's a lot of alternatives out there to being big pharma up. I mean, look, I'm someone that uh, endures on a daily basis, pretty bad case uh, of plaque psoriasis. I went to my doctor, and thank God he's old school, before I knew any better, and asked him about, uh, you know, these uh, uh, these newfangled drugs that supposedly rid you of psoriasis. Well, no, they actually alter your DNA. And um, there's other research that suggests that people like me, that the psoriasis is an extra filter on top of my lungs and uh, my, uh, my kidneys and my bladder and my liver to filter bad things out. But my old school doctor said, no way. I don't prescribe it, and I won't, and I don't suggest anyone to take it because it actually alters you. So mm -hmm. we don't just have a pharma industry that's content with just poisoning us and getting us addicted, which is why I think everyone must get the jab. There's got to be something in there that is going to cause in future years either a medical or a mental desire to get something else that's coming out and people will voluntarily say yes to it. Yeah, I think that is probably right. I mean, given if, if, if you look at this as an extension of what happened with psych meds, that, that's certainly the story of what happened with psych meds. So people were given SSRIs, um, selective serotonin reuptake re inhibitors. You know, when they had like small bouts of depression, you know, like a loved one dies, you become depressed. That's actually totally normal. You know, like if you're not depressed when a loved one dies, there's probably something wrong with you. But these people were, were prescribed antidepressants and SSRIs. And then what happens is, again, it does change your brain. So when, once you have, just to give the example of, of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, when you take these drugs, it keeps the serotonin in your cells longer than it would normally stay. And so your brain reacts by saying, oh, we actually have too much serotonin going on. So we're going to stop producing as much serotonin and we're going to increase the receptor density to pull this out. 
And the effect on that uh, of that is that when the person then stops taking the medication, then the brain goes a little bit berserk because they're like, oh, th there's not enough serotonin here. You know, you have like a deficiency of serotonin now. So then you become super depressed. So then this is taken as evidence that the person needed the medication in the first place. But in fact, the medication is what changed the brain to make you need the medication. <laughs> it's really sinister, to be honest. <laughs> um, and something like 30% of Americans are on these drugs now. And it's going to go up. I think with the lockdowns, more and more people have experienced, understandably, anxiety, fear, etc. And of course, they turn to their doctor who prescribed these meds. So it's 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 a virtually a pharma coup at this point. I mean, I don't. I hope that we can stand our ground here. And I'm very happy that we're in the United States, where I'm, for example, right now in the free state of Texas, and I'm hoping that it's going to stay free. So even though you're right, I think that there will be a success of this agenda in places like California and. New York, I'm hoping that we'll be able to stand our ground in some of these other states. Uh, it may require smaller and smaller, uh, uh, almost like the Swiss Canton system, smaller and smaller organizations of like-minded people that want to govern themselves, because I think that the pressure <clears throat> is going to be, uh, become enormous with the Biden regime, and they will uh, be successful through bribery, treachery, and coercion to win over reticent governors. Laurie, we're, we're out of time, but I have one final question for you. So your most notable book is We Kill Because We Can, used to describe mainly the military-industrial complex. Um, uh, I think that you could write a sequel now, We Kill Because We Can too, um, to describe the pharmaceutical industry. Looks to me like they're pursuing almost an identical course. Yeah, that's an excellent idea. And I have written quite a few essays over the course of the Corona apocalypse. So... That is an excellent idea. I think I'm going to follow your advice on that one. Thank you, Mike. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, I encourage you to uh, hopefully Richard Barrett and Kennedy Hall will reach out to you, uh, continue this uh, dialogue because you're a fountain of knowledge on this. Um, I don't see one particular place to follow you, though, and most of our listeners are weaned themselves off of or never did Twitter. So where can they find you at? Well, I'm still at The Drone Age, which is my blog that specifically addresses uh, warfare using remotely piloted aircraft to kill people thousands of miles away who are basically suspects. Um, so I still um, am blogging there. And then I am doing these. this whole series of Corona Apocalypse essays is found at Libertarian Institute. So you can just put in Libertarian Institute and then slash L. Calhoun and all of my, the whole series of essays will come up. All right, Laurie, as always, thank you for your time. I won't, <clears throat> I won't go as uh, far in between uh, our visits. Uh, <laughs> but you were, in okay. you were in Austria and California for a while and our schedules just didn't, didn't match. Yeah. Well, I'm back in Texas now, so uh, let's talk more frequently. <laughs> yes, we will. All right, Laurie, thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. All right. <laughs> yes, we will. All right, Lauren, thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. All right.